we towards the end we're talking about um, um, what we need to do to um, deal with evil covenants that um, we are a party to or that have an effect on us and um, we mentioned a couple of things and I mentioned that the other thing we need to we need to deal with is uh, altars and so today um, we want to look at that it seems last week we couldn't record the message eh? is that correct uh, so I don't remember most of what I said last week because I said most of it under inspiration so um, I don't even remember the points I gave <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe I'll borrow pastor's notes because I was hoping I'll get the message right <laughs> so I can't I can't give any review of what we said last week because I don't remember most of it <laughs> um, but I remember that we said we'll talk about test today so the reason that um, we want to talk about altars is because um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I listened to a teaching um, and the minister was explaining that one of the things that enable, uh, enables a covenant to be um, sustained is an altar. So it's like, um, and the reason... Um, so I, I began to, and, and, he, and he also he also pointed out that altars give um, access to spirits to come and operate in the earth. An altar becomes like a doorway, all right, or a gateway, or a portal, or an entry point for a spirit to enter and operate in the earth. And we can see that in the scriptures in a number of places. Um, if, we, if we look at God's dealings with Israel, we see, for example, that when Solomon completed the temple and he offered sacrifices on the altar to God. The Bible says that the glory of God appeared in the temple so much that the priests could not stand anymore. And um, the same Solomon, the Bible says that he went to uh, Gibeon where there was a high place and he offered a thousand burnt offerings unto God and the Lord appeared to him that night. And we see uh, different examples in the life of Abraham and others which show us that when, when an altar is, is created unto, unto God, who is a spirit, it, it enables him to come and intervene in the life of the one who 
built the altar um, to him. Hallelujah. And we also say that uh, an altar is a place where offerings are made to spirits. Now, this may be a sacrifice that is made or it may not necessarily be a sacrificial offering, but if it is made consistently or continually, it, it achieves the same effect. So, the offering that consecrates the altar could either be a sacrifice, okay, or even if it is not a sacrifice, if it is if it is offered continually or repeatedly, it achieves the same effect as when a sacrifice is made. That is, it pro, it it creates an access point for the spirit to whom that offering was made to come and get involved in the life of the person or the people who are making that offering to it. Am I, am I making sense so far? So it is like altars are an altar is a spiritual technology. Hallelujah. There are many strange things in the Bible that we don't we are not some of them we are not aware of and some of them we don't fully understand. Um, but <clears throat> This is one of the, those strange things, I think. So, an altar enables a covenant to be sustained because as the altar is maintained, it allows the spirit that has been, that the, the person is in covenant with, it allows that spirit to come and get involved in the person's life. So, Otherwise, that spirit will not be able to perform its, its um, obligations in the covenant. Because every covenant puts responsibilities on the two parties. All right? Every covenant puts responsibilities on the two parties. And... When a human being or a group of human beings enter into a covenant with a spirit, the human beings have an obligation or commitment, and then that spirit too has commitments. Okay? Uh huh. So, because of that, the altar becomes something like the representative of that spirit. Does that make sense? The altar becomes something like the representative of that spirit. 
So last week we read about uh, Jacob and Laban, and we saw that as they raised an altar, Laban said, Because of this, God will be watching you. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're not here last week. Oh, you're here last week. He said, Because of, by this, by this watchtower, Jacob, God will be watching you. So when you be very careful when you go. Hallelujah. So the altar begins to perform. And then also the altar was called a witness. Hallelujah. That is all in, in Genesis chapter 31. You can read it if you have forgotten when you go, when you go home. So the altar was also called a witness. So the altar begins to function like a representative of that spirit that uses the altar to gain access or to gain a legal basis to operate in a particular sphere or a particular domain in the earth. Um, and so when we want to completely remove ourselves from the effects of a covenant and there is an altar that is still functional. Okay? There's, an, there's a functioning altar. Then it is important that we address it in some way. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So, um, that's what we want to look at a bit today. Now, um, let's look at a few things. to help us understand this better. <coughs> so, if we look, for example, at Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says that, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness so what this verse is telling us is that when a person yields himself or herself to obey a particular spirit, all right, a spirit desires that you behave a certain way to, to honor it. Does that make sense? God desires that you live your life holy unto Him. It is honor to God that you live your life holy unto Him. And there are evil spirits 
who also seek that you live your life a certain way because it is honor to them in the kingdom of darkness it shows that they have influence does that make sense so the bible says that to whom you yield yourselves it's talking about a pattern all right it's talking about a pattern it's saying that whenever you establish a certain pattern of behavior what you should understand is that you have committed yourself to be a servant to whatever it is that you are giving honor to by that pattern of behavior you have established. And this helps us understand why addictions are hard to break. Besides the biochemical effects taking place in the person's body, the person's brain, which is undermining any effort to break the addiction, there is also a spiritual dimension that whatever it is you have become addicted to, the spirit that promotes that thing is now seeing you as somebody who is continually making offerings to it. Am I making sense? So, if you begin to form an alcohol habit, there is a spirit that acknowledges your new behavior as an honor to itself. And therefore, as if you continue in that behavior, you are establishing a relationship with that spirit. And at a certain point, because of that relationship you are establishing and the offerings you have been offering continually, <laughs> that spirit now comes and begins to influence you because of the relationship that has been established. Am I making sense? Are you recording? Okay. So, this is to um, underscore what I said earlier on about the fact that we can create an altar either by a sacrifice or by continual offerings. Hallelujah. But when I said that, I didn't really explain why I was saying that. So, um, this is to help us understand that. Amen. So, hallelujah.
Não. Romans 6, So an altar can be a physical it can be a physical uh, location or a physical um, artifact that has been something that has been built at a particular place all right and an altar can also be your heart Hallelujah. Because you are a temple. You are God's temple. Alright? You are God's temple. And in this temple, the place where... That's why when you give an offering to God and you don't give it willingly, He doesn't accept it. Because although you give the money, your heart on the altar... Nothing was offered. <laughs> Does that make sense? Although you, you put the money in the basket, but because you didn't do it willingly, you didn't give it from your heart. Alright? That's where the altar is. <laughs> so nothing was offered to God. All that happened is money went into a basket. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So... You and I, each one of us, um, our heart is an altar. And that altar, we can either use it for God to grant God access to our lives. All right? So when Pastor was teaching us on the heart, he said that what? The heart is the one that determines whether... Jesus will be your Lord or not. Hallelujah. And in the same way, your heart is what determines whether money will be your Lord or not. You see? Or whether some other thing will be your Lord. So the heart is an altar in the human being. Hallelujah. So... That is why the Bible talks about us needing to purify our hearts because when an altar is defiled, it, it just doesn't function. It cannot serve its purpose. You see? When an altar is defiled, it is unable to serve its purpose. One of the ways to decommission an altar is to contaminate it. So each of us needs to be wary of the things that def- 
defile our hearts, the things that make our hearts not work well as an altar to God. You see, there are a number of sins, heart sins that we commit inside that nobody sees. It's like things like bitterness, not forgiving. See, those are nobody will see, but it is defiling your heart. And you'll be there, you think you are serving God, but um, the altar is defiled. So there is no worship ascending to God. All you are doing is activities. You are just performing activities. Because your heart is, not, is no longer a place where God receives offerings from. So, a number of these heart sins, what you see is that at the end of the day, they are doing more to harm you and to undermine your life than any benefit you think you are getting, you see, by continuing in that attitude. If you are bitter against someone, you say, I'll never forgive you. And you think that by doing that and taking that position, you are actually hurting the person, but it's you rather that you are hurting yourself. Because you, some, a human being can be in that state for years. <laughs> for years. And your heart is no longer a place that God receives offerings from. So then what are you doing when you say you are serving God? The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. One who gives from the heart. Hallelujah. So, um, I'm just trying to help us understand all this before we connect to our topic, which is covenants. So please um, bear with me. Hallelujah. So, for someone born again, the heart is where worship, prayer, adoration, honor, praise, thanksgiving, etc. are offered to God. All right. Um... Now, because altars provide an access point for a spirit to come and express itself in the earth realm, so a human being can serve as a channel for a spirit to come into the earth and operate. All right? Human being. And similarly, the spirit of God can also access the earth through a human being. And operate in the earth. Hallelujah. Can you see 
how it works. All right. Um, so, <clears throat> in First Samuel seven verse three, it says, "And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only." And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Hallelujah. So it says you should turn away from the strange gods and Ashtaroth and prepare their hearts unto the Lord. Alright. Prepare their hearts unto the Lord. So when we look, for example, in the life of Samson, we see something that Samson was in a covenant with God and that covenant required that he live a certain way. All right? One was that he was not supposed to have any alcohol enter his body and the second one was that he's not supposed to cut his hair alright those were two of the requirements that were made on him or two of the constraints that were placed on him alright and because Samuel Samson sorry so the story of Samson is in Judges chapter 13. All right. In chapter 14. Um, actually, it goes all the way to chapter 16. So uh, we can't read all of it here. <laughs> so in 13, it talks about how an angel of God came to his mother and gave instructions uh, regarding uh, a child that she would give birth to. All right. And even his mother was also supposed to follow certain rules. So what we saw is that what we see is that when Samson was born, the Bible says that um, he grew up and he was observing the conditions that were placed on him. And in Judges chapter 13, uh, verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. All right? So what we see is that because of Samson's consecration, the Spirit of God could express himself through Samson. Okay? Samson was a walking uh, altar through which the Spirit of God would express himself as he saw fit. Alright? So as he grew up, he began to show signs that the Spirit of God was active in his life because of his consecration. Hallelujah. The day 
Samson valued the affection of a woman more than his commitment to God, his heart shifted. Right? His heart shifted. When his, I don't even know whether it was girlfriend or fiancé or what it was. When the woman was able to convince him to tell her his secrets and he agreed. You see, the strange thing was that before he actually told her the truth, he had told her a number of things which were not true. And every time she told him, he, she tri- every time he told her, she tried it. <laughs> Alright? One time he said that if you tie me with new ropes, I'll become weak. Uh, as soon as he fell asleep, the woman went to get new ropes. So, and, and, and she did it twice or so. We should have told something that this woman, <laughs> don't trust her. But you see, he gave his heart to her. And then he told, he told her the secret that if my hair is cut, I'll become an ordinary man. So when she, he told her, she got some people to come in. If you, if you don't know the story, you can go and read in the book of Judges from this chapter 14 to chapter 16. When he told her, she got some soldiers to come and shave his head whilst he was sleeping. And the Bible says that when Samson woke up, mm-hmm, and he saw the enemies, he shook himself. I think he had something that when he dashed it, then the power will start flowing. All right? So he shook himself. Whatever, whatever way he did, I don't know. But he, he shook. But I would say he did not know that the Spirit of God had departed from him. Why? Because the altar had become desecrated. All right? There was a defilement. The whole temple and the altar within it had become defiled. And the spirit of God departed from him. Because when the spirit of God looked upon him, what he saw was a dedication to Delilah rather than a commitment to God. Because he was willing to do anything to keep Delilah. See? He was willing to do... Delilah was a lady. If you don't know the story. Delilah was a woman who deceived him. He was willing to do anything to keep Delilah. Rather than doing anything to keep God in his life. And so... The day he defiled himself the Spirit of God left him. Hallelujah. In a similar way, King Saul defiled himself with witchcraft and rebellion. (laughs) See? 
King Saul. Um, where is that? First Samuel. Um, I think I have written that down somewhere. First Samuel fifteen twenty three says, "For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry." So when King Saul committed rebellion, all right, and God looked at his heart, he saw witchcraft. And his stubbornness, when God looked at his heart, he saw idolatry. All right? So the Spirit of God left him. Or the Spirit of God will not be upon a heart that is dedicated to idolatry. So the Spirit of God left him and went to David. Because the altar and the temple were defiled. So the Bible says in Ephesians four twenty seven neither give place to the devil. And in verse 30 it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. There are times when you know God is speaking to you, but you decide you will not obey. You see, for example, Sunday is possible that God was speaking to you that give a certain amount towards the project. But that money you have planned to use it for something. You have planned to use it for something. So you sh- when the thing comes to your mind, then you shake your head. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> oh, it's time, eh? It's not good. It's eight o'clock. You shake your head that it's not God. You are getting into stubbornness and rebellion. And in the spirit realm, the weight of rebellion is the same as the weight of witchcraft. You understand? When God assesses rebellion, when he measures it. He gets the same measurement that he measures when he measures witchcraft. <laughs> is, that not, is that not serious? Mm. So if there's something God has been telling you you are, you are refusing to obey, be careful. <laughs> okay. 
something God is saying you are not obeying. Be careful. So, um, it's, any questions, please? So with Samson, later on, when his hair began to grow, uh-huh. just let me, let, me, let me just finish. When his hair began to grow and he rededicated himself to God, hallelujah, when you read Judges 16 from verse 21 to 30, you see that his hair began to grow again and they put him through severe treatment. They pulled out his eyes and he, he was made to uh, push a millstone. I don't know whether it's 24 hours a day or what. All right? A millstone. Something used to grind. It's like a man operating a nikanika machine with his hands <laughs> the whole day. Okay, that's the work he was doing with his eyes uh, destroyed. Okay, and that helped him to remember that he had a God that he was serving. So his heart, he turned back to God and he began to pray to God. And when his hair grew, he said to God one day, Restore me so that I can teach these guys one last lesson. <laughs> and God heard his prayer. <laughs> uh, don't go and pray that too. <laughs> yes, please. I say your heart is the altar. Right? Your behavior is reflecting your commitment to certain thing, to something. Uh-huh. That was what I was that was the point I was making. That in some cases there's no physical well, you are the physical altar. <laughs> there's no physical altar that you have created outside of yourself. But your heart is the altar that is uh, serving something continually. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed all these behaviors. Does that answer the question? <clears throat> so, Samson, um, when his, hair, his heart turned back to God, and his hair began to grow again, the Spirit of God returned to Samson 
for the final show. All right. And he died that day as well. But um, he wanted to teach his enemies one last lesson. And God obliged and listened to his requests. Amen. So, um, we want to take a, f- um, a lot of time to pray a bit. Um, <clears throat> there's one more that I haven't spoken about. Um, because I'm not sure I'll be able to explain it fully in the time we have. Um, <clears throat> so, I think I won't talk about it today. So, I want to pray um, 